0: Your host, Dr. Eve, and I'd like to welcome you to the First Gen Lounge. So, folks, I'm not even going to say it because you already know what it is. But yeah, I'm actually going to say it because it's just me. It's Thursday, your favorite day of the week. I love Thursdays. Let me tell you why I like Thursday. I don't think I ever explained why I picked Thursday. Thursday is just before the weekend, and right after hump day. So it's like that time in between where you're just kind of going through that transition, getting ready for the weekend and have a good time. But then the hump day, you know, you gets you right to the weekend. So this is to get you through the weekend and get you ready for Monday. Aha, aha. See, now you know. But yeah, but I'm super, super excited. I'm always excited because everybody who ever comes to the show. is just amazing to me. And I'm really, really elated to have somebody who was a really good friend to me, somebody who's really become my brother. We have Kimon Hines with us today, who is the leader of Ideas to Life. He's a podcast host. He's an author. He's a coach, an amazing coach at that. Y'all need a coach. This your man, but we're going to talk about that. But Kimon, hello. Hi, welcome.
1: Thank you so much, Dr. Eve. I'm excited. Finally, we're able to do this.
0: I know it took forever, right? I know, and
1: that's my fault You asked me for a while. I didn't do what I was supposed to do, but thank you for being patient with me and thank you for giving me a chance to hang with you in the first gen lounge.
0: Man, you're so welcome. And look, I understand we have those schedules and we talk so much. It's like, did we do that? Did we schedule that? I know. So look, you know, it's all yeah. good. It's, it's both ways. But I'm really glad this actually happened. And it's really funny, you know, just to tell the people that I didn't even know you were first gen we talked <laughs> the first time around. And so for us to even come back around to like, hey, Kimon, oh my gosh, you know, this is great to know because. Your story is a little bit different from some of the other guests that you went to school first gen and then your father turned around and got his degree, Right. which, you know, honestly, I didn't even think about it until we talked. You don't think about that first gen identity and what it means for your father to still get a college degree. Does that mean it takes away from your first gen experience? But then our conversation led me to think, no, actually, I would still consider you first gen because you were first gen, you know, before your father graduated, you still had that. That was a very real part of your experience. So definitely want to talk about that today. Just again, how you were able to navigate and what that meant and how it's changed life for you to be first gen than to kind of not be first gen. But yeah, before we get into all that fun stuff, tell us about yourself. Who are you? What is your story, Kimo?
1: Sure. So, you know, it's funny. You mentioned that you didn't know I was first gen. I didn't know I was first gen until we talked. (laughs) You know, my story starts in New York, but really, I grew up in Trinidad. Two brothers, as you talk about it. I don't remember a time not seeing my parents involved in some sort of study. Like my parents, when they had us, went back, got, you know, high school equivalency, different courses. They were always studying something. And so I guess education was always something that was big for us. And so after graduating high school, went off to college in New York and graduated from what is now St. John's University, Massachusetts. Manhattan campus. Really, I think one of the things I want people to know is I'm a natural encourager. I like seeing other people succeed. So I'm going to be that guy cheering you on to get to where you want to go. And my path led me from working as an actuary to studying for ministry. And that's where I worked for 15 years, until just last year, where I made a transition to begin working as a coach and a consultant. Other things, I'm married, have three. Almost everyone's a teenager in my house, so pray for me.
0: <laughs>
1: Will do. Honestly, these are the best times of our lives. I mean, I'm enjoying having teenagers in the house because they keep me young and they keep me hip.
0: That's cool, young and hip. Until they like, dad, no, don't do that. You're like, but I yeah. thought it was cool. <laughs> and they'll
1: probably tell me no one says hip anymore. So
0: that's fine. I say hip, you know, down or whatever. I don't even know the language anymore. I feel like, so. I feel like I'm at the age and I'm like, what are y'all saying? What's cool? Are you, are we still dope these days? Or like, whatever. Okay. It's interesting that you got into ministry. Did you always know that you were called to it and it ended up there? Or was it one of those things that, you know, it, it became one of those I'm leaning into this because I know that there's something there.
1: You know, it's a good question. I think as a teenager, I remember a moment of you know just spiritual awakening as a teenager, coming to a moment of wanting to be more serious with my walk, my religious walk, and feeling at the same time that maybe studying for ministry was something I wanted to do. But at the same time, I had already received scholarship to go off to study to be an actuary. So I had those two things pulling at me. What was this internal calling and what was a path that was already kind of paved for me in a career? that would have paid a whole lot more than ministers make. So made the choice to go into actuarial science and it was always in the back of my mind that I wanted to be involved in serving others. Mm. Fast forward, graduated from college, worked out of college for a year and that was probably one of the most uncomfortable years because I knew that wasn't what I was supposed to be doing.
0: Mm. And so
1: eventually followed the path to study, to work as a minister.
0: I think that's really cool. Let me tell you why. There are a lot of people who think that they've just known since they were five kind of thing. And I and I look at work, especially work that's religious, like I said, ministry, stuff where you are leading people's spirits, you know, being responsible, being a shepherd, right? I look at it as one of those things where I think God can call you at any time to do it. And I think that in some kind of way, like you said, you've always, you're a natural encourager, like you're an amazing encourager, actually. And for you to be someone who had to embrace it, that's a very real thing, because I don't like that people are shunned sometimes because they get into ministry later or because it's not something that they always knew that they were going to do. Right. I think that purpose is something. And it's something that we, you know, we talk about, you know, as we get through this conversation, purpose is something that it evolves in a way. Mm-hmm. And so, cause I mean, again, you were in ministry for 15 years and you knew that God led you to this. Right. And then you was like, yo, I'm going to do entrepreneurship. Right. And some people were like, well, how so God put you here to, be in ministry, but I think that there's more than one way to minister as well. Absolutely. And so I would even imagine, you know, that that has been an interesting cycle for you. So if you could even tell us a little bit from your perspective of leaving ministry to pursue entrepreneurship and what that was like, because I'm sure people had a whole lot to say about that. Like once you're yeah. in the church, that's are you supposed to do? Right. And I'm like, you know, God can call you to do more than one thing like for many reasons. So yeah, yeah, talk to us about that.
1: Sure. So I kind of believe in being led progressively. Like I think what I did yesterday doesn't have to be what I'm doing tomorrow. I Mm -hmm. believe I grow and I'm understanding more of my purpose Mm -hmm. and I'm understanding I may have a present assignment, but my calling may be the same. So I'm called to encourage, I'm called to strengthen people. But my assignment for those 15 years was to do it in the context of leading a congregation of People. Mm. And just as sure as I was as a twenty-something-year-old that God had led me, I felt called into working as a minister. Is just as sure as I felt a couple years ago when I felt called to serve people in the area of entrepreneurship. Just mm. as sure. Now, of course, at both times there were questions. At, at both times there were questions. You're going to leave all this money to go do this. That was a few years ago. And I was, you know, as a 20-something-year-old leaving actuarial science to become a minister. And just as sure as a couple years ago saying, hey, I'm going to leave to start my own business. I don't have all the answers, but this is where I'm headed toward. And I think for everyone, you have to be true to that internal calling. Because Mm -hmm. there'll be times when you're something you're good at, something that people see you as, as being successful in that thing. But you know that's not what you're supposed to be doing for the rest of your life and the longer you stay in there the more difficult it will be to pursue what you're supposed to be
0: pursuing you know you said a word there (laughs) You, you definitely did and i like that you reaffirm us the family first gen that it is a process and you have to be true to yourself. Absolutely. You have to be, yeah. because again, it's a really big deal. I mean, I look at it because again, you are a minister, you're a responsible pastor. What do I do without you? You know, how do I go on? That's not supposed to be it. And for you to have said, I still know that God has an assignment for me and that doesn't take away from me fulfilling that. Absolutely. I look at the work even that I do from podcast hosting to motivational speaking. It's about the people and the message and the reach more than it is about how I'm doing it. Because there's more than one way to fulfill a path. And I appreciate you for being bold enough to leave ministry because there are people who aren't. They don't want to ever do it because they feel like there's such betrayal. And that's not to make your whole show about betrayal or you know ministry, but it's just a really big thing because of that scarce that God still won't take care of you and provide for you just because you're no longer in the church that means you have to be you know out of the church completely out of it just because you leave it to pursue something different and actually you're the first minister that i've known who's left the church and so i was always fascinated by that story because i was like gosh he's really bold and he's really courageous because in spite of he just could have been like oh let me just stay here because it's comfortable so yeah
1: you know it's interesting you said that because just i mean as as people of faith We talk faith, we talk stepping out, we talk following, even when you don't see it. Mm. And there's sometimes you have to apply that even to your career and to work. And one one of the most difficult answers to give in a transition is, I don't know because mm-hmm. you don't know all of the answers no matter what you're doing if you decide from high school I'm going into college to pursue this major you don't have all the answers after you leave college with that degree to go out into the world of work you don't have all the answers so at every stage don't be afraid of you know the unknown you have to have a certain level of certainty absolutely and you should have a plan, but don't let the fact that you don't have all the answers scare you from actually pursuing what you're called to be.
0: I appreciate that. I think a lot of y'all out there appreciate that, too. Don't let it scare you, because, you know, fear gotta be greater. No, your faith, not your fear. Your faith Absolutely. has to be greater than your fear. Mm-hmm. What a word, what a word, which I, you know, I talk a lot about your journey out of ministry not to make it a focal point, but it's very much a focal point because of what I want to lead to. And that's how you've created ideas to life. Right. Cause I mean, it's this very innovative. I remember the first time I heard I was like ideas to life. I was like, Ooh, what is that about? But your concept is if there's something inside of you that you're sitting on, you've got to go chase it. Right. You've got to not just think about it, but take action. Right. So talk to us a little bit about how the entrepreneur experience has been you know, for you and what it's been to bring ideas to life because now you're in a whole realm of, of new things and you have new sheep to shepherd and you do that through coaching and consulting, which is really amazing because it's still very people-oriented, very uplifting, very encouraging and very thoughtful in the work that you're doing. So yeah, talk to us a little bit about that and, and what you're hoping for this long-term.
1: Sure. So Dr. Eve, I guess going backwards I've always been someone who's been fascinated by creativity, by innovation, by new things. And I guess what I realized, Ideas to Life was inside of me long before I started calling it what it was. You know, I was helping people with their ideas, helping people to fine tune things that they were working on. And it came to a moment where I started to realize this is what I like to do. I like to, as you say, help you find the things that you are sleeping on, the things that you may be sitting on, that you're good at, and helping you to develop them, helping you to discover them, first of all, develop them, and then to put them into action. And it's been really an exciting thing seeing people who have great skill, great ability, just creativity that they devalue. They go, oh, that's not a big deal. And through the process of coaching, through the process of just working with them, you realize that they've come alive as they use that creativity. And so it's been, as you mentioned, it's still ministry. It's still serving people, but it's not helping people to take things that they would have probably sat on for a long time, if not for their whole lives Hmm. and do something with it that makes them feel alive.
0: That's powerful because you said it, people may sit on it for their whole lives. And I think some of that is, you know, like I said, fear, Mm -hmm. not knowing what to do, not knowing how to articulate what it is that they're feeling and that they want to do and they just sit with it and, and do nothing and live with regret for not having pursued whatever that thing is. And then for you to not only coach people through bringing their ideas to life, you've lived it. You're doing it. You didn't sit on the idea. You execute it. And that's what's made all the difference, I imagine.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And you're right. The funny thing is I am um, leading others in the same path that I am taking. And that's, Mm. I think, also powerful. Sometimes you feel I have to be so far ahead of you to be able to lead you on this journey. And I'm realizing I'm learning from the people I'm coaching. Maybe for some people, I'm just a little bit ahead. But for all of us, we're all pursuing the same thing. Let's maximize our talents, our creativity, the things that we have on the inside.
0: I can dig that. You know, you remind me a bit of a friend of mine, a good friend of mine. who was another podcast host. His name is Kane and his podcast is all things eat. Shout out to you, Kane. He's very supportive, but the idea is that you can transition something unique about his story is that he's an educator turned tech. Wow. But the same for him as it is, you know, for yourself. And I would say even for for me that we all knew that there was something else, something that we needed to try. We couldn't sit on it Mm -hmm. and chase that thing. And then it's like, but have we not? We just had to know. You just got to know. So, you know, to those of you who are listening, who are sitting on anything and you're just wondering if you should ever do it, you won't know until you try. Yeah. you don't know what'll come of it. How it'll grow? How it may not grow, but you've got to give yourself a chance so that you won't live your life with regret. I think I've heard before, and I don't know if you've heard this, Kimon, that there are people who, you know, get to the end of their life, and the only thing that they do regret are the chances they didn't take. That's and right. So, and so, it's something to, to really consider.
1: And that's right. And regret is something that's heavy that I don't want to carry.
0: Mmm. Heavy and I want to carry. Hey, that might need to be your show. <laughs> it's heavy and I want to carry. Um, I like that, but that's, that's Really real. So, just kind of going back a little bit, because I know I kind of pushed forward because I got really excited, but kind of going back a little bit to being this first generation college graduate that you didn't even realize you were. Now that you can reflect, is there something that you've realized about life that maybe you wish somebody would have told you to navigate a little bit easier? Are there tools you wish you would have had sooner to just really make your life thus far, I don't want to say better? but maybe a little bit better. I yeah, <laughs> so yeah, like yeah. all better words.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, one of the, this is a funny story. So leaving Trinidad, I, was, I grew up on the island of Trinidad, moving back to New York at the airport. One of the things my father told me, and I still laugh about it to this day, you know, with crying, everyone saying goodbye, all of this. My father's last words to me were, keep your focus, right? That was his word, keep your focus. And I wish I understood how powerful those words were early on rather than later on in life because you know for people who have multiple abilities multiple gifts you tend to be sometimes all over the place and doing so many things and you never really focus on one thing to say let me become excellent at this let me do this well that I become an expert in this and I think even with what finance is one of the things I realized is my money was going in so many different directions mm-hmm. and it came to a point where I had to say okay if i take all my extra money and I focus it on paying off this debt, then I'll get somewhere. Then, if I focus it on saving, then I'll get somewhere. And so that's one of the lessons that I had to learn with my energies and my finances. If I were to focus on, I'll say less things, I would get more, I would have more impact. And so I saw what happened when I didn't do that. And I've been learning how much more effective I am when I do it.
0: Mmm. So less means more.
1: Yes, yes. I have a less friend who says that. More. I learned that from him. Less
0: means more. Less means more. I can definitely see that. Uh, you know, just being candid in my own entrepreneurial experience, I have it all over the place. And the concept is that in this day and age we live in, we got to be here. You got to be there. You got to be moving. You got to be shaking. If yeah. you're not, you're not moving. And I found myself saying, "This is crazy." <laughs> I thought I was like, I, "I can't." So I had to do the same. I had to limit my activities. I had to limit what my money. was was going in terms of even marketing efforts. I had to limit the kinds of relationships that I was trying to create and and just networks I was trying to build, not just any, everybody. And I think that's what people have the wrong misunderstanding. They say, be flexible, be open, but I'm like, well, no flexibility and openness doesn't necessarily mean expertise. And sometimes you can get so involved in doing everything that people don't even know where to place you. And so that can be a problem for your business as well. So the fact that you've even talked about focus. So, I mean, going back to your career, to your relationships to your Mm -hmm. money money been a really big one then you know you can really move a little bit further so thank you for that reminder to us to focus and to even say for yourself that it is something that's working out kind of even wondering now because i know you do some coaching what is your coaching like for those who want to work with you what is your what is your focus
1: sure so my focus is helping people to unearth to to discover things that are deep on the inside that they've always wanted to do to develop those things and then to put them into action. You know, I think for so many people, and, and this has been an interesting story, when I've told people that I'm leaving to go start my business, I first will hear people say, oh, you shouldn't do that, especially people who might work in the field of ministry. But then I get a chance to ask them the question, have you ever thought about doing this? And there are some people who will say, yeah, I've thought about making a shift to do this. And I feel like a lot of people that I encounter when they hear that I've made career shifts, they'll say, I've always wanted to do this, start my mm. business, write a book, launch a podcast, whatever it is. And that's the focus of my coaching. I want to help people to take action on the things they've always wanted to do.
0: So if I were to come to you for a consultation, let's just put it this way. What could I expect to get from you in this initial chat? What would that look like for me? So let's just say, because there's somebody who's probably some idea, and I was like, I want to talk to him, but I'm not really sure. So let's let's get the people to, to know. What is it that you could do, you know, in terms of talking to me to, to help me? What is a question that you would ask me to get me going?
1: Sure. So I guess I would ask you questions that allow you to value the things that you might even overlook. So Hmm. what do people always tell you that you're good at?
0: Oh, okay, I see what you did there. Okay, That's a good one. So now I'm actually like, I wanna answer this question. I wanna think about this. That's a great question and a great for, huh. So like for me, speaking would be one. Right. I feel like over the course of my life, I've always, not sometimes, always been called on to speak in some capacity, be it a panel, be it a keynote be it a banquet a mm-hmm. commencement like people calling me to speak and to deliver wow. and typically it's around the encouragement so i like that a lot so mm-hmm. yeah that's kind of how you to be my coach You are my coach anyway. Like, look at you, my coach. We
1: we don't,
0: yeah. I can dig that. That's a great one. So for those of you who are are wondering, you know, how does somebody coach you through your ideas? There's an example. You know, you start with getting to the heart of who you are to help you gain clarity about what's next for you.
1: Yeah, and you know, coaching is really, it's less about me telling you, giving you answers. It's the premise, you have the answers. And sometimes you just need someone to ask you the right question so you can give yourself the answer that you've been sitting.
0: Mm, so look, I'm about to um, I'm about to put you on spot. So somebody who's out there is like coaching. Like I'm not even wasting my money. It's a waste of money. Why should I even invest in that? What would you say to somebody who's skeptical about coaching? Because I was for a very long time, sure, sure. and then I learned that just from personal experience. Sometimes I just need to think through it, and I don't. I have the answers, but again, I'm just stuck. So for you as a coach, what would you say is definitely a benefit?
1: Sure, I, th- I think uh, first of all. You never lose investing in yourself. That's Mm. that's number one. You just never lose investing in yourself. And if we're honest, a lot of times we'll have conversations with people and neither person is doing a whole lot of good listening. You know, we're both kind of just wanting to both share. But there's a lot of value if you're in a conversation with someone who is listening, who is reflecting well. And it's asking you questions that are getting you to think even deeper within yourself. And I think that's the value of coaching. You realize at the end of those sessions, and by the way, I'm raising my hand to let you know I have a coach because mm. I see the value that coaching allows me myself to be able to think even deeper about some of the things that are on the inside.
0: Hmm. I like that. And I like it a lot because you've even said the part of investing in yourself. And I've been really big about talking about investing in yourself and so much of that is because I think as a first gen, especially somebody who's graduated and somebody who came from hardship that what it looks like to invest. It's not that I can't always see value. Although, honestly, a lot of times you can't because you just don't know what you don't know, right? right? But it's, I'm not paying for that, that's too expensive. Mm-hmm. And I'm frugal fanny over here. Save money, save money, save money. That's how I've been for a long time. And now I'm like, $1,700 per coach, not bad, drop it. And it's like, oh, that sounds crazy. Like, no, I've learned through the years that what you invest in yourself, you know, is what comes back to you. You have to be an advocate for your own success. And so that's why I'm really fascinated even by your work And I love it because I think that we as first gens have to do more to invest in ourselves to get ahead. And we can't cheat ourselves. We can't be cheap with ourselves because trying to cut corners and save money and be cheap all the time is, and I said cheap, there's between cheap and frugal, you know, cheap is I'm not paying for it. I want everything free. Well, you get what you pay for. And I have learning that, you know, like I've definitely learned that over the years, you get what you pay for. You want cheap, you get cheap. But, you know, rather than say, well, $1,700, that's a lot you know, not to say I can't afford it, but how can I afford it? Yeah. You know, can I do payments? Can I get a book instead? You know, can I do a workshop versus doing personal coaching like what you have to invest in yourself? So great point to bring up. And then you are coached with the coach. So you're standing by what you live, which is very, very much so necessary. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you've done a lot, 15 years of ministry, entrepreneur, a dad, a husband, you know, you came to America from Trinidad, which again, I am so fascinated by that. Like, I don't know if I told you, I think I have, I love Islanders. I should have been born in an Island. Like maybe I was in my past life. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, And then it's like, so I get excited. Like I love, love visiting islands as well, but just thinking about all the, all the things that you've become, all that you do, what do you think has helped you to be successful? thus far, because you just had a lot, I mean, you just said, a dad three teenagers yeah, and a first-gen and a minister. Like, those are a lot of things to carry. And I just can't imagine, because I'm a married woman, but I don't have children yet, and we're working on it. But yeah, but, well, I mean, not like that, but we know, we're going to get there. <laughs> we're going to get there. I'm married, I'm married. <laughs> but, 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 uh, but really, like, what what is it that helped you to be successful?
1: You know, I think any success that I have is really attributed to the relationships and the connections that I have. Mm. I just think about being in New York away from my parents, away from my family and being taken in by my aunt and then by a village at a local congregation and just families that have been people that just invested in me along the way. And just looking at life, it's all been about connections that I've made along the way. And I think for anyone who has any level of success, there's no self-made person. Everyone Mm. can point to someone else who encouraged them, who invested in them, who just helped to guide them. And that's, that's me. I'm the relationships. You know, I talk about my kids, but my wife just her the things that she's done to believe in me and Mm -hmm. to allow me to step out and to start my own business. I mean, that's to me, that's invaluable. You can't put a a dollar value in that. So Mm -hmm. it's all about relationships and it's all about realizing that people who are around you are your greatest uh, assets and just helping you to grow.
0: Mm, that's beautiful. And shout out to your wife. That's yes. really, really awesome because my husband, the same thing. Somebody's got to stand beside you and be crazy, look crazy enough with you too to say, I I'm going to believe in this with you because a lot of people think that entrepreneurship means I'm going to be rich and famous in six months.
1: Oh, no, no,
0: no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, not at all. And so for your wife to, to stand behind you and to support you in a ministry because again, you, you're a husband, and you have three children. Um, So it's not like your situation is one where you're just uh, a 20-something out there figuring it out. Like you've got a whole family. As a matter of fact, I mean, if you don't mind, I would love to dissect that a little bit with you as as well. Sure. What do you think, you know, has really helped keep you motivated to pursue the entrepreneurial route considering that you have a family? Because I know that you've done, you know, a great number of things to keep yourself going. But beyond the family, what keeps you motivated and keeps you going and keeps you from throwing in the towel when it does get challenging.
1: You know, it's interesting. Like I will bring it back to the family. Like when I was young, I didn't, I didn't even think about this until I was reflecting in the journey. When I was much younger across the street, maybe a couple streets over from the school that I attended in elementary school was a business called Heinz Machine Shop. It was my uncle's. And I don't know if I could really describe what that did for me as a kid to see my last name on a business, you know, mm. like, wow. And, and and then he owned a restaurant. So there are times I'd go in there, I didn't have to pay for anything because my uncle owned it. And Mm. so this journey of entrepreneurship, I guess that seed was planted back then. And one of the things that I want to do is leave something behind for my children that Mm. they can give to their children. Now, what I have right now, we don't have very much to leave behind, but that's my dream. And so at times it's difficult, but I'm building something. They say wise people plant trees that they won't be able to enjoy the shade of. I'm Mm. paraphrasing And I'm almost believing that even if my business doesn't take off to the point where I wanted to, at least I'm leaving a legacy of my children seeing the skills, the work ethic, the things that go into it so that they will have a leg up if they choose to make the same journey.
0: That's like, wow. Yeah, it's not about the money. And that's the most important part. The money is important. Don't get me wrong. And that's for anybody who's like, oh, I just have to be in business and just but it's about serving really a business is all about serving and helping. Now, the exchange in some capacities of being currency, but that's that's legacy. And I, and I love that you said that to leave something behind, something that will outlive you. I remember when I first wrote my book, I thought about the fact that it's done. <laughs> What's done is done is done so right. that no matter what happens, I'm leaving something behind. something for somebody to hold on to and to remember me by and to have those lessons from. And as scary, weird, morbid as it sound to me at first, I was like, wow, that was powerful. Like I never understood what authorship would mean, what entrepreneurship would mean until I started kind of seeing like, whoa, that's big. Even being an entrepreneur, you and I both, we employ people, we outsource individuals to do things for us. And even the fact that by me being in business, I'm helping somebody else to survive in some kind of way, adding to their livelihood, that was even more powerful to me. So kudos to you for seeing the family legacy and, and wanting to pass it down, like I said, and giving them hope even in what they do. And that's right. gotta be really cool to have seen your uncle's name, Heinz Construction. I'm like, oh. I know. Yeah, like, yeah, I don't I don't think I have anything with my name in it right now. I mean, well, the logo, but it's like not construction or something, a restaurant, but hey, that's pretty cool. And then in New York at that, that's real cool.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. So what are you reading right now?
1: I'm actually reading a book called 48 Days to the Work You Love. Huh. It's by Dan Miller, and he's talking about how, you know, we look at work as just unnecessary evil, and then we look at play as enjoyment, and if you can find the work that you love, the work in that, you can enjoy life so much better. So, I am in. I'm reading that now. It definitely relates to how I want to help people, and, you know, just really my own enhancement, my own um, growth. So, that's the book I'm reading right now.
0: That's nice, and I know that you're really big on reading and, and development, so... Good to hear that. and You're reading that for 48 days to,
1: to the work you love, to
0: the work you love. I, I like that a lot. Yeah, I've got a nice collection of things that I'm getting through right now. And I've been asking more about, you know, our guests. What are you reading? Because I really want to encourage everybody to read and to continue reading to see that people who are successful in what they're doing, they're reading, they're educating themselves, they're investing. The investment doesn't stop after school. It right. doesn't stop after you've graduated and got your diploma. And that's something I think a lot of people are mistaken about that. Oh, I'm done with school. I have a degree. Now what? Keep investing in your education and learning and your knowledge because it definitely has the capacity to take you far. Yeah. Yeah. So we're getting to that point. Like I I always enjoy talking and we can talk forever and ever and ever, (laughs) but I know we're going to have to definitely wrap it up. But before we do, I'm really curious to know something. And this is the first time that I'm asking this question. So many of the first today. Okay, let's go. Do you have, I mean, in spite of what you're doing, do you have any regrets?
1: You know, that's a good question. Great is such a strong word. But I will say lessons uh, learned mm-hmm. from mistakes allowed. And I think for all of us, it's a danger to allow your job or what you're doing to define you to the point where you forget the priority of where things should be. And I think when my kids were much, much younger, I had a job, a huge responsibility. I was enjoying it. And people were telling me I was doing a good job. And I allowed their, you know, acclaim and affirmation to get to the point where I allowed that job to define me too much to the neglect of my kids at a certain stage. And so that's one thing, a lesson I learned.
0: Mm. Thank you for sharing that. Because I know there are people out there who are parenting and figuring out parenting and figuring out parenting within the space of being married as well. And Uh to even say, you know, oh, I've got a wife, you know, she can take care of it. I got a husband, he can take care of it. But for you to still have that, that, that feeling, that lesson that just because you have the support doesn't mean you don't want to be there.
1: And I think even if you're not, you know, married or the children, don't ever let your job totally consume or define you. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember a day after I was transitioning from one job to the next, I ended with one job and I had like a week before I started. And that was one of the most, like it was a weird week for me because I was, I'd been defined so much by that job. And I was asking myself that question for a week. Who am I if I'm not what I did? And so that's for everyone. Just don't become what you do.
0: Mm. Don't become what you do. Hmm. I can dig that. How do you even say something like that to an entrepreneur who's working all the time around the clock? Because yeah. I mean, entrepreneurship, you know, you got to put in that work.
1: Yeah, you do. But even in this journey, it's still a still a lesson I'm trying to embrace. I cannot become what I do because there will be success will come and you get happy, but there will come disappointments and challenges. And you're not, you're not less of a person if you. You, you didn't have a good week. You mm. have to have to have disciplines and routines and things that you do that remind you who you are and remind you that you're not what you do. Like what you do flows out of who you are, but who you are is not defined by what you do.
0: Mm, I can dig that. Hey, Amen. Yeah. So, okay. So like, we're wrapping it up for real. I'm serious. It's time for real, for real. <laughs> Just want to know if there's a thought that you want to leave us with. Anything for us to ponder on or hold on to for the rest of our lives.
1: Yeah. So there's this quote that I'm living by. It says, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. But the second best time to plant that tree is now. Hmm. And the reason I love that is, yes, there's some things you and I look at. And for some people, you're so young that 20 years ago means that you were a toddler, right? So, but what it it means is there's some things you look at life, you say, oh, I should have done this. And then you stop right there and you think to yourself, Well, that opportunity's passed. What I'm encouraging you to do is to say, okay, maybe I can't do it to the level I could have 20 years ago, but what can I do now? To do what I know I should have done. So don't ever feel like the opportunity is totally passed. Don't ever feel like I can never get there. It may take you a little bit longer. You may have to go a little bit slower. But never feel like it's all over for you. You still have an opportunity to do it now.
0: I can dig that. Thank you for that. Because even for me, it's like, oh, planting the seeds, planting the seeds. But I and I, you know, I love trees. I love yeah. trees. So that is a very Much needed message. Kimong, you are wonderful. And I thank you for the time spent today. This has actually got a little longer than I thought it would, but hey, whenever you're dropping jewels, I want to hear it because we are here for for our people. So, where on the internet can we find you if we'd like to connect with you?
1: Sure. Pretty easy. It's my name. Now, saying that, my name is not the easiest name (laughs) to spell. (laughs) it's k-y-m-o-n-e-h-i-n is in nancy d is in david s is in sam.com so com, and on all social media platforms it's my first name last name Kimone Hines.
0: well that was easy my name
1: is that unique i have it everywhere
0: i can feel you want that now if i change mine to just my first name it'll be the same evangeline yeah that's yeah. definitely one of a kind everywhere so i'll be feeling like you i'm very lucky i can always get my name that's cool but well, you have been an absolute joy to have today. Thank you for sharing your story with us. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with us, for your honesty, for your rawness. I, I definitely appreciate it. And I'm glad that we got around to it yeah, finally. So this too. has been, it's nice to have you on the other side now. So. Absolutely, yeah. All right, well, look, but until the next time, friend, I want you to take care of yourself and good luck with everything ahead.
1: Thank you.